Hezekiah is told to get his house in order because things aren't looking good, that he's going to die. And he's told that by God. What does Hezekiah do? A very interesting passage we study today from 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to do that in about five minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And welcome to Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do that every year. Now, in 20 minutes time, Corey and Ryan are going to talk to us. Corey? Well, when Hezekiah finally does die, there's something weird about how the Bible records his death. And we're going to take a look at that today. Ryan? Well, today I'm going to be taking a close-up look at the life and career of Isaiah, who prophesied during the reigns of the kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Good study today, Jan. Today, the finger of God. All right, that's coming up in about 25 minutes. It's a good program. So get your Bible guide out, open up the Bible. Let's hear what God is saying. Second Kings 20, 1 through 11. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, And I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I should go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go backward ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward ten degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. 2 Kings chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, and chapter 23. We are going through the whole Bible in one year. It's very, very interesting as we do this. And we need to pay attention. You know, life as we know it is precious. And God has a lot to say about it. Now, it's interesting to me that we instinctively cling to life, trying to keep it close at all cost. 
we know that life is good even though it is hard. Of course, we also believe that life doesn't end when our bodies end here on earth. There is a reality beyond us, a better and more vibrant life that is available than the one we know now. Well, King Hezekiah's love for life is revealed in our reading today. He was a good man who had lived his life trying to do what he thought was right. He spent a lot of blood and sweat and tears trying to serve God faithfully and praise God. So when he was told that this sickness that he contracted, this would be the end of his life, well, he brought his request for more life back to God. Now, God knew that Hezekiah would respond in such a way. It's interesting. He granted that Hezekiah, his life, would be extended for another 15 years. Doing this, God has reminded us of the important truth. God is the controller of when we die. Hebrews 9.27 He can stop our death or not. We may not always understand his choices, but we can choose to trust them no matter what we face or what disease we have. Now keep that in mind because it's important for us to understand that our lives, we have a calling to them. You and I, beloved, are called to reach people that only we can reach. We're, called, we're on this earth for a very specific reason. And a lot of people think that they're on the earth just to have a good time or feel good. Well, that's not the case. We're on this earth to serve Christ and serve Him more abundantly if we are Christian. Now, if we're not Christian, I encourage you to keep watching. We'll show you how you can be a Christian before long. But it's important for us to understand that we have a calling. Very, very critical. Now, let me just say that I want to thank you if you've made your donations, because that's very important to us right now as we seek God and His help. Uh, we've been behind in our giving and all of that, so we thank you for donating. And Father, I pray for our partners. I pray that you would help them through this difficult time and touch them and keep them close to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Call or call or write or go to Bible Discovery TV and get your Bible guide and join us as we read God's word through. This is a really good year to do it because God has spoken so well. Today, as we focus on this, Lord, help us to understand what you're saying in 2 Kings 20. We need to hear the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now listen, this is important. 2 Kings 20, verses 1 to 3, it says, In those days Hezekiah, Hezekiah was sick, and he was near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, and it shall not live, and shall not live. What? That's right, that's what he told Hezekiah. Verse 2, Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall, and prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord God, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, this is fascinating. Verse searcher, the first point here. Hezekiah is told to get his house in order. Now, physical life on earth will come to an end sooner or later because of sin. But God reminds us that our real life, if we are Christian, if we believe in Jesus Christ, God reminds us our real life after this one ends is to come. 
so we have a better life. We have a life that's coming that is eternal. God is the, the first fruit of the eternal life. That is absolutely amazing. There's a difference between the people that God raised from the dead and the people and then himself raising from the dead. And there'll come a time when the resurrection, God himself re resurrects us after we are dead. That's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, if you believe in the rapture, then the rapture will come and uh, suddenly you will be with the Lord. It'll be absolutely stunning. All right, 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 4. And so what does Hezekiah do? I mean, what's going on here? What does he do? Well, and it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Isaiah, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. Now look at that. I have heard your prayer. I want you to look at that line. Those of you who don't pray, you look at that line. God says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look at that line. Those of you who cry over your prayers, I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. I will heal you on the third day and you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. What a stunning thing. God responded to Hezekiah because of his promise to David. See, covenants are important to God. God will redeem all things. We will do everything that he has assigned for us. Let me tell you something. I can tell you if you're suffering with a sickness, you will be healed. I can, one, I guarantee you, 100%. 10,000 years from now, we'll all be sitting down next to Jerusalem, having a cup of coffee, and we'll say, yep, the Lord healed me. Because the resurrected state is different. Beloved, if you believe in God, you will be healed. Now, I understand that some people want to be healed here. God does that too, according to his word. Well, praise God. Keep that in mind. 8 through 11. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me? And that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day. Then Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it is easy for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. And so Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. I tell you, there's amazing stuff we could talk about here, but let me just say this. God made, it Im made the impossible possible. God made the impossible possible. There is nothing too hard for God. When we pray, the Lord will answer our prayers, and this is important, in His timing, not our desires. <laughs> he will answer our prayers in his timing. Father, help us today. We pray and we're going to continue to pray, but Lord, we, we understand that you will answer the prayers in your timing. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, 
Amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us. When we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's First Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. So in 2 Kings chapter 20, we get a record of King Hezekiah's death and burial, but it doesn't follow the typical formula that the Bible uses to describe, specifically 2 Kings uses, to describe the death and burials of all the kings that came before him. There's something different going on, and it's a bit of a mystery. So let's jump in and see what we can learn. The royal tombs and burials of ancient Judah present us with several mysteries. First, there's the mystery presented by the death formulas of the kings of Jerusalem. For almost all the kings, the Bible says that they died and were buried in the city of David. Burial within the city's limits seems to have been exclusively reserved for Jerusalem's royals. All the twelve kings, from David to Ahaz, use this similar death formula or saying, and are said to have been buried in the city of David. With only five of these kings being buried in their own tombs rather than in the proper tombs of the kings, and for various reasons. This all changes with Ahaz's son, the reformer king Hezekiah. He's the first king whose death formula just says that he died. It reads quite simply, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors. Second Chronicles adds that Hezekiah was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are, so not in the tombs of the kings within the city of David, but rather in a royal family cemetery nearby. Kings Manasseh and Ammon are then said to have been buried in their palace garden, the Garden of Uzza. The next king, Josiah, is likewise said to have been buried in Jerusalem, not the smaller Acropolis of the city of David, and in his own tomb. The last four kings of Jerusalem all died and were buried in various exiles. So, this leaves us with questions that researchers debate: Where exactly were the proper tombs of the kings? Where and what is the Garden of Uzza, and why was there a shift away from burial in the tombs of the kings and into a palace garden and personal tombs? Some believe that the ministry of the prophet Ezekiel initiated the switch. In Ezekiel 43, God indicts Jerusalem for burying her kings so close to the temple and for accompanying their deaths with offerings. In this view, kings from Hezekiah onward were buried farther away from the temple to curry God's favor once again. There's also an interesting cultural association with kings and gardens. Garden tombs located in palace complexes were kingly places of burial in the cultures surrounding Judah. So perhaps King Manasseh's association with Assyria led him to choose a garden burial. These answers have led us to our next mystery: What were the unacceptable royal funeral offerings mentioned by Ezekiel? We know from King Asa's reign and from a mention in the Book of Jeremiah that it was customary to have a large fire in honor of a dead king. 
Archaeologically, there are no known remains of a king's burial in or around Jerusalem. However, from more common graves, it's known that many funeral offerings and perhaps even yearly offerings were given to or on behalf of the dead. These were practical offerings like food, wine, and spices. Perhaps these were also offered for the kings in larger, grander quantities, and at least the prophet Ezekiel did not approve. So there's a lot of really interesting things that have to do with burial in ancient Judah and in ancient Israel. I, I do find it really intriguing that Hezekiah, as the reformer king, you know, chose to be buried in a different place. And then we see that correlation with the prophet Ezekiel talking about all these kings being buried close to the temple. It's just so interesting. Uh, and Honestly, hours and hours more research could go into and have gone into uh, researching the, the, the ancient ideas about death. So more to come on this, but this is just to get you started. You know, you could really, you would really enjoy yourself if you just could study where people were buried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. it I'm into it. I mean, a lot of people find it morbid, but no. Love because it. They, I mean, it tells you a lot about how they lived. You know, mm -hmm. is, is how they were buried and all It of connects a lot of um, cultural dots, I find. Yeah. Even in our culture, when you think about our funerary customs and our mourning customs, it connects a lot of dots for how we think and what we value. Yeah. So Very interesting, Corey. Thank you so much. Uh, Ryan. All right. Well, to go along with our reading today, I want to talk about the prophet Isaiah. And he served during the reigns of Kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So today we're going to explore the life of this very godly man. And although not much is known about his personal life, the Bible does talk a lot about his career. Check it out. Although technically a prophet of Judah, Isaiah was really an international messenger as he spoke God's judgment on entire peoples across the vast region. His name means Yahweh is salvation and was first called by God to be a prophet in the year that King Uzziah died. In fact, his 40-year career spanned the reign of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Isaiah's call commenced with a dramatic vision in which the Lord revealed to him the grueling nature of his mission. Though God really put him to task, Isaiah was steadfastly obedient to God, even to the point of prophesying naked for three years. However, his prophecies were not all doom and gloom and judgment. He is a good news prophet with a message of hope and salvation who foretells a glorious messianic age when God's kingdom will rule upon the earth. This didn't go unnoticed. Isaiah contains so many messianic prophecies that his book has been nicknamed the Fifth Gospel. In fact, New Testament writers quote Isaiah about 50 times, more than any other book. He's also been called the Evangelical Prophet, because although the book was inked 700 years before Jesus was born, he wrote like he knew Jesus as well as any disciple ever would. While we know much about Isaiah's career, the prophet says little of himself. We do know that he was the son of Imaz, was married to a prophetess, and that they had at least two sons. His eloquence of speech and easy access to the kings may also suggest that he was an educated noble. In fact, Jewish tradition even claims Isaiah was a member of the royal family, first cousin to King Uzziah. Although the Bible does not reveal how he died, the pseudepigraphal Jewish text called the Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah 
claims that he was arrested and sawed in half by Manasseh. Apparently, absorbed in a vision, Isaiah's eyes stayed open and he didn't cry out in pain, but his lips moved as though he was talking with God. You know, truly, Isaiah was a very, very godly man, and we don't have to be prophets to apply his example to our own lives. Isaiah was a very bold, faithful, and godly man who obeyed the Lord even when he was persecuted. Isaiah didn't fear men who can only destroy the body, but Isaiah feared God, the one who can destroy both the body and the soul. May we, may we do the same. Yeah, that's really true, Ryan. Very, very important. And uh, we have to pay attention because God is doing business now. Mm-hmm. And this is not the time to fool around with God. This is the time to get right with God. And so I encourage you to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord because that's very, very important. Uh, very good, Ryan. Thank you so much. Jen. I wanted to talk about the finger of God. And this chapter about Hezekiah's life being extended is really quite something. And we, we see Hezekiah who comes to God. He, he's being told, get ready because your life is going to end. And Hezekiah kind of panics over it, goes to God, asks for God to extend his life. And the prophet Isaiah, before he can even get out of the the courtyard, God instructs him to go back and tell Hezekiah that he has in fact heard his prayer. He's going to extend his life. We've we've talked about it in the teaching segment, so I'm not going to to, to redo the whole thing. But, you know, I, I look at this and I think to myself, you know, there are things that we can do in life to manipulate. We can manipulate things and people to get our own way. Um, but there are times that things happen that is only done through the finger of God. What am I talking about? We see here, Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backward? And of course, Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. This is something in the laws of nature that we can't do. And yet God is all powerful. God is the creator of everything and God can take control and do whatever he wants whatever his will and purpose is. And I was watching an episode of This Is Israel the other day by Jess Cantillon, and he had a guest, a rabbi, and he talked about the finger of God and really put into um, a new light for me the plagues of Egypt in, in, in this way. Not that anything was different, but he was saying that th- the first plague was the water turned to blood, And how that after that happened, Pharaoh's magicians, they did the same thing by their occult practices. And so that just hardened Pharaoh's heart even more. He's like, well, see, they can do that. So who is this God? Who is this Lord God? And then the second plague was the plague of the frogs. And Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing and brought up frogs on the land by their occult practices. That's um, uh, Exodus 8, verse 7. And again, Pharaoh's heart is hardened because... They can do it, so whatever. Number three, the third plague comes. This is Exodus 8, verse 19, of, with the gnats. And the gnats came out. It says the gnats were like the, the dust of the earth, is the way the Bible describes it. And it was on men, and it was on the animals, so it was on everything. 
and the magicians tried to produce the gnats using their occult practices, but they couldn't. The Bible says they couldn't. And the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Now you would think that Pharaoh would change his heart after that, but he did not. But from then on, from each plague onward, the magicians are nowhere around. They knew that they had met their match, that God was no match. This was something they could not manipulate. This was something of God. And I just wanted today to give glory and honor to God that there are times when there is no explanation. It is the awesome power of God and just from his finger. The world was created, Rod, through the breath of his mouth. You know, do you remember the scene? I'm just thinking of all these things now. I've got about a thousand things going, zipping through my head right now. But remember when, when Jesus, they were coming to get Jesus in the garden. They were coming to take him away. And, and when he said, I am he, they were mm-hmm. looking for Jesus. When he just said the words, I am he. Now, they're, they've all come and they're ready and they got their swords and everything else and they're coming to get him. And all he says, I am he. Just with those words, the Bible says they were all knocked back. Just the very breath, the very presence. You know, sometimes I think we forget, you know, we get into the old kumbaya thing and oh, Jesus is our best friend. And I don't mean to be mocking. But at the same time, I do believe that we have lost Mm. the reverence for a holy God. Mm -hmm. And yes, Jesus is our best friend. He laid down his life for us. He laid down his life. He humbled himself and became a servant for us. He was washing his disciples' feet. And we have lost the reverence for a perfect and holy God. Let's not remember, let's not forget that today. We need to remember that God is holy and he has more power in his little finger than anything. The power of his breath alone will knock us down and can create the universe. It's called the Roku box. You can buy it at Walmart and put it on your TV set and use the internet on your TV set. Let me just tell you that BD Family and Friends, BD Family and Friends is our channel. That's one of our channels. And I want to encourage you, you can get that and watch the program. Other programs are there too that we've approved. And so we just encourage you to check that out. Today we pray, Lord, help me to do the things that you have assigned to me because I recognize, Lord, that I have a calling. In Jesus' name.